Chapter Two of the Wolf Leader by Alexander Dumas, translated by Alfred Allenson, eighteen fifty-two to nineteen twenty-nine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia. The Seigneur Jean and the Sabot Maker. As already said, the buck began to dodge and double on reaching Wagny, turning and twisting round Thibault's hut. And the weather being fine, although the autumn was well advanced, the shoemaker was sitting at his work in his open lean-to. Looking up, he suddenly espied the trembling animal, quivering in every limb, standing a few paces in front of him, gazing at him with intelligent and terrified eyes. Thibault had been for a long time aware that the hunt was circling around Wagny, at one time drawing near to the village, and then receding only to draw near again. There was nothing therefore very surprising to him in the sight of the buck, yet he stayed his hand, although he was busy at work and contemplated the animal. "'Saint Sabot!' he exclaimed. "'I should explain that the festival of Saint Sabot is the wooden shoe fete. "'Saint Sabot! But that is a dainty morsel and would taste as fine, I warrant, as the chamois I ate at Vienne, once at the grand banquet of the jolly shoemakers of Dauphine. Lucky folk who can dine on the like every day. I tasted such once, it is now nearly four years ago, and my mouth waters now when I think of it. Oh, these lords, these lords, with their fresh meat and their old wines at every meal, while I have to be satisfied with potatoes to eat and water to drink from one week's end to the other. And it is a chance if even on Sunday I can feast myself with a lump of rusty bacon and an old cabbage and a glass of pignolet fit to make my old goat stand on her head. It need scarcely be said that as soon as Thibault began this monologue, the buck had turned and disappeared. Thibault had finished rounding his periods and had just declaimed his peroration when he heard himself roughly accosted in forcible terms. Ho, there, you scoundrel, answer me. It was the baron who, seeing his dogs wavering, was anxious to make sure that they were not on the wrong scent. Ho, there, you scoundrel, repeated the wolf-hunter. Have you seen the beast? There was evidently something in the manner of the baron's questioning which did not please our philosophical shoemaker, for although he was perfectly aware what was the matter, he answered, What beast? Curse you! Why, the buck we are hunting! He must have passed close by here, and standing gaping as you do, you must have seen him. It was a fine stag of ten, was it not? Which way did he go? Speak up, you blackguard, or you shall have a taste of my stirrup leather. The black plague take him, cub of a wolf, muttered the shoemaker to himself, then aloud with a fine air of pretended simplicity. Ah, yes, he said, I did see him. A buck, was it not? A ten-tiner, eh? With great horns? Ah, yes, to be sure, a buck with great horns, or great corns, was it? Yes, I saw him as plain as I see you, my lord. But there I can't say if he had any corns, for I did not look at his feet anyhow, he added with the air of a perfect simpleton. If he had corns, they did not prevent him running. At any other time the baron would have laughed at what he might have taken for genuine stupidity, but the doublings of the animal were beginning to put him into a regular huntsman's fever. Now then, you scoundrel, a truce to this jesting. If you are in a humor for jokes, it is more than I am. I will be in whatever humor it may please your lordship I should be. 
Well, then, answer me. Your lordship has asked me nothing as of yet. Did the deer seem tired? Not very. Which way did he come? He did not come. He was standing still. Well, but he must have come from one side or the other. Ah, very likely. But I did not see him come. Which way did he go? I would tell you directly, only I did not see him go. Lord of Vez cast an angry look at Thibault. Is it some while ago the buck passed this way, Master Simpleton? Not so very long, my lord. About how long ago? Thibault made as if trying to remember. At last he replied, It was, I think, the day before yesterday. But in saying this, the shoemaker unfortunately could not suppress a grin. This grin did not escape the baron who, spurring his horse, rode down on Thibault with lifted whip. Thibault was agile, and with a single bound he reached the shelter of his lean-to, whither the wolf-hunter could not follow as long as he remained mounted. Thibault was therefore in momentary safety. "'You are only bantering and lying,' cried the huntsman, "'for there is Marcassino, my best hound, giving cry not twenty yards off, and if the deer passed by where Marcassino is, he must have come over the hedge, and it is impossible, therefore, that you did not see him.' Pardon, my lord, but according to our good priest, no one but the Pope is infallible, and Monsieur Marcassino may be mistaken. Marcassino is never mistaken, do you hear, you rascal? And in proof of it, I can see from here the marks where the animal scratched up the ground. Nevertheless, my lord, I assure you, I swear, said Thibault, who saw the baron's eyebrows contracting in a way that made him feel uneasy. Silence, and come here, blackguard! cried my lord. Thibault hesitated a moment, but the black look on the sportsman's face became more and more threatening, and fearing to increase his exasperation by disobeying his command, he thought he had better go forward, hoping that the baron merely wished to ask a service of him. But it was an unlucky move on his part, for scarcely had he emerged from the protection of the shed, before the horse of the lord of Vez, urged by bit and spur, gave a leap which brought his rider swooping down upon Thibault, while at the same moment a furious blow from the butt-end of the baron's whip fell upon his head. The shoemaker, stunned by the blow, tottered a moment, lost his balance, and was about to fall face downwards, when the baron, drawing his foot out of the stirrup with a violent kick in the chest, not only straightened him again, but sent the poor wretch flying in an opposite direction, where he fell with his back against the door of his hut. "'Take that!' said the baron as he first felled Thibault with his whip and then kicked him. Take that for your lie and that for your banter. And then, without troubling himself any further about the man, whom he left lying on his back, the lord of Vez, seeing that the hounds had rallied on hearing Marcassino's cry, gave them a cheery note on his horn and cantered away. Thibault lifted himself up, feeling bruised all over, and began feeling himself from head to foot to make sure that no bones were broken. Having carefully passed his hand over each limb in succession, that's all right, he said. There is nothing broken either above or below, I am glad to find. So, my lord baron, that is how you treat people, because you happen to have married a prince's bastard daughter? But let me tell you, my fine fellow, it is not you who will eat the buck you are hunting today, it will be this blackguard, this scoundrel, this simpleton of a Thibault who will eat it. Yes, it shall be I who eat it, that I vow, cried Thibault, 
confirming himself more and more in his bold resolution and it is no use being a man if having once made a vow one fails to keep it so without further delay thibault thrust his bill-hook into his belt seized his boar spear and after listening for a moment to the cry of the hounds to ascertain in which direction the hunt had gone he ran off with all the speed of which a man's legs are capable to get the start of them guessing by the curve which the stag and its pursuers were following what would be the straight line to take so as to intercept them there were two ways of doing his deed open to thibault either to hide himself beside the path which the buck must take and kill him with his boar spear or else to surprise the animal just as he was being hunted down by the dogs and collar him there and then and as he ran the desire to revenge himself on the baron for the latter's brutality was not so uppermost in thibault's mind as the thoughts of the sumptuous manner in which he would fare for the next month on the shoulders the back and the haunches of the deer either salted to a turn roasted on the spit or cut in slices and done in the pan and these two ideas moreover of vengeance and gluttony were so jumbled up in his brain that while still running at the top of his speed he laughed in his sleeve as he pictured the dejected mien of the baron and his men returning to the castle after their fruitless day's hunt and at the same time saw himself seated at table the door securely fastened and a pint of wine beside him tete-a-tete with a haunch of the deer the rich and delicious gravy escaping as the knife returned for a third or fourth cut the deer as far as thibault could calculate was making for the bridge which crosses the ork between noroy and trosny at the time of which we are now speaking there was a bridge spanning the river formed of two joists and a few planks as the river was very high and very rapid thibault decided that the deer would not attempt to ford it so he hid himself behind a rock within reach of the bridge and waited it was not long before he saw the graceful head of the deer appear above the rock at some ten paces distance the animal was bending its ears to the wind in the endeavor to catch the sound of the enemy's approach as it was borne along the breeze thibault excited by this sudden appearance rose from behind the rock poised his boar spear and sent it flying towards the animal the buck with a single bound reached the middle of the bridge a second carried him on to the opposite bank and a third bore him out of sight the boar spear had passed within a foot of the animal and had buried itself in the grass fifteen paces from where thibault was standing never before had he been known to make such an unskilful throw he thibault of all the company who made the tour of france the one known to be surest of his aim enraged with himself therefore he picked up his weapon and bounded across the bridge with an agility equal to that of the deer thibault knew the country quite as well as the animal he was pursuing and so got ahead of the deer and once more concealed himself this time behind a beech tree halfway up and not too far from a little footpath the deer now passed so close to him that thibault hesitated as to whether it would not be better to knock the animal down with his boar spear than to throw the weapon at it but his hesitation did not last longer than a flash of lightning for no lightning could be quicker than the animal itself which was already twenty paces off when thibault threw his boar spear but without better luck than the time before and now the bang of the hounds was drawing nearer and nearer another few minutes and it would he felt be impossible for him to carry out his design but in honour to his spirit of persistence be it said that in proportion as the difficulty increased the greater became thibault's desire to get possession of the deer i must have it come what will he cried i must 
and if there is a god who cares for the poor i shall have satisfaction of this confounded baron who beat me as if i were a dog but i am a man notwithstanding and i am quite ready to prove the same to him and thibault picked up his boar spear and once more set off running but it would appear that the good god whom he had just invoked either had not heard him or wished to drive him to extremities for his third attempt had no greater success than the previous ones by heaven exclaimed thibault god almighty is assuredly deaf it seems let the devil then open his ears and hear me in the name of god or of the devil i want you and i will have you cursed animal thibault had hardly finished this double blasphemy when the buck doubling back passed close to him for the fourth time and disappeared among the bushes but so quickly and unexpectedly that thibault had not even time to lift his boar spear at that moment he heard the dog so near him that he deemed it would be imprudent to continue his pursuit he looked round him saw a thickly leaved oak tree threw his boar spear into a bush swarmed up the trunk and hid himself among the foliage he imagined and with good reason that since the deer had gone ahead again the hunt would only pass by following on its track the dogs had not lost the scent in spite of the quarry's doublings and they were not likely to lose it now thibault had not been seated among the branches for about five minutes when first the hounds came into sight then the baron who in spite of his fifty-five years headed the chase as if he had been a man of twenty it must be added that the lord of vez was in a state of rage that we will not even endeavour to describe to lose four hours over a wretched deer and still to be running behind it such a thing had never happened to him before he stormed at his men he whipped his dogs and had so ploughed his horse's sides with his spurs that the thick coating of mud which covered his gaiters was reddened with blood on reaching the bridge over the orc however there had been an interval of alleviation for the baron for the hounds had so unanimously taken up the scent that the cloak which the wolf-hunter carried behind him would have sufficed to cover the whole pack as they crossed the bridge indeed the baron was so pleased that he was not satisfied with humming a tirala but unslinging his hunting horn he sounded it with his full lung power a thing which he only did on great occasions but unfortunately the joy of my lord of vez was destined to be short-lived all of a sudden just as the hounds that were crying in concert in a way which more and more delighted the baron's ears were passing under the tree where thibault was perched and the whole pack came to a standstill and every tongue was silenced as by enchantment marcotta at his master's command dismounted to see if he could find any traces of the deer the whippers in ran up and they and marcotta looked about but they could find nothing then angoulevent who had set his heart on a view halloo being sounded for the animal he had tracked down joined the others and he too began to search everyone was searching calling out and trying to rouse the dogs when above all the other voices was heard like the blast of a tempest the voice of the baron ten thousand devils he thundered have the dogs fallen into a pit-hole marcotta no my lord they are here but they are come to a check how a come to a standstill exclaimed the baron what is to be done my lord i cannot understand what has happened but such is the fact come to a check again exclaimed the baron come to a standstill here in the middle of the forest here where there is no stream where the animal could have doubled or rock for it to climb you must be out of your mind marcotta i out of my mind my lord 
yes you you fool as truly as your dogs are all worthless trash as a rule marcotta bore with admirable patience the insults which the baron was in the habit of lavishing upon everybody about him at critical moments of the chase but this word trash applied to his dogs was more than his habitual long-suffering could bear and drawing himself up to his full height he answered vehemently trash my lord my dogs worthless trash dogs that have brought down an old wolf after such a furious run that the best horse in your stable was foundered my dogs trash yes trash worthless trash i say it again marcotta only trash would stop at a check like that after hunting one wretched buck so many hours on end my lord answered marcotta in a tone of mingled dignity and sorrow my lord say that it is my fault call me a fool a blockhead a scoundrel a blackguard an idiot insult me in my own person or in that of my wife of my children and it is nothing to me but for the sake of all my past services to you do not attack me in my office of chief pricker do not insult your dogs how do you account for their silence then tell me that how do you account for it i am quite willing to hear what you have to say and i am listening i cannot explain it any more than you can my lord the damned animal must have flown into the clouds or disappeared in the bowels of the earth what nonsense are you talking exclaimed the baron do you want to make out that the deer has burrowed like a rabbit or risen from the ground like a grouse my lord i meant it only as a manner of speech what is a truth what is the fact is that there is some witchcraft behind all this as sure as it is now daylight my dogs every one of them lay down at the same moment suddenly without an instant hesitation ask anybody who was near them at the time and now they are not even trying to recover the scent but there they lie flat on the ground like so many stags in their lair i ask you is it natural thrash them man thrash them then cried the baron flay the skin off their backs there is nothing like it for driving out the evil spirit and the baron was going forward to emphasize with a few blows from his own whip the exorcisms which marcotta according to his orders was distributing among the poor beasts when Nangoulevent, hat in hand drew near to the baron and timidly laid his hand on the horse's bridle my lord said the keeper of the kennel i think i have just discovered a cuckoo in that tree who may perhaps be able to give us some explanation of what has happened what the devil are you talking about with your cuckoo you ape said the baron if you wait a minute you scamp i will teach you how to come chafing your master like that and the baron lifted his whip but with all the heroism of a spartan Angoulevent lifted his arm above his head as a shield and continued strike if you will my lord but after that look up into this tree and when your lordship has seen the bird that is perched among the branches i think you will be more ready to give me a crown than a blow and the good man pointed to the oak tree in which thibault had taken refuge on hearing the huntsman approach he had climbed up from branch to branch and had finally hoisted himself on to the topmost one the baron shaded his eyes with his hand and looking up caught sight of thibault well here is something mighty queer he cried it seems that in the forest of villers cotterets the deer burrow like foxes and men perch on trees like crows however continued the worthy baron we will see what sort of creature we have to deal with and putting his hand to his mouth he halloed ho there my friend 
would it be particularly disagreeable for you to give me ten minutes conversation but thibault maintained the most profound silence my lord said Angoulevent, if you like and he made a sign to show that he was ready to climb the tree no no said the baron at the same time putting out his hand to hold him back ho oh, there my friend repeated the baron still without recognizing thibault will it please you to answer me yes or no he paused a second i see it is evidently no you pretend to be deaf my friend wait a moment and i will get my speaking trumpet and he held out his hand to marcotta who guessing his intention handed him his gun thibault who wished to put the huntsman on the wrong scent was meanwhile pretending to cut away the dead branches then he put so much energy into this feigned occupation that he did not perceive the movement on the part of the baron or if he saw only took it as a menace without attaching the importance to it which it merited the wolf hunter waited for a little while to see if the answer would come but as it did not he pulled the trigger the gun went off and a branch was heard to crack the branch which cracked was the one on which thibault was poised the baron was a fine shot and had broken it just between the trunk and the shoemaker's foot deprived of his support thibault fell rolling from branch to branch fortunately the tree was thick and the branches strong so that his fall was broken and less rapid than it might have been and he finally reached the ground after many rebounds without further ill consequences than a feeling of great fear and a few slight bruises on that part of his body which had first come in contact with the earth by beelzebub's horns exclaimed the baron delighted with his own skill if it is not my joker of the morning ha so you scamp did the discourse you had with my whip seem too short to you that you are so anxious to take it up again where we left off oh as to that i assure you it is not so my lord answered thibault in a tone of the most perfect sincerity so much the better for your skin my good fellow well and now tell me what you were doing up there perched on the top of that oak tree my lord can see himself answered thibault pointing to a few dry twigs lying here and there on the ground i was cutting a little dry wood for fuel ah i see now then my good fellow you will please tell us without any beating about the bush what has become of our deer by the devil he ought to know seeing that he has been perched up there so as to not lose any of its movements put in marcotta but i swear my lord said thibault that i don't know what it is you mean about this wretched buck ah i thought so cried marcotta delighted to divert his master's ill humor from himself he has not seen it he has not seen the animal at all he does not know what we mean by this wretched buck but look here my lord see the marks on these leaves where the animal has bitten it was just here that the dogs came to a full stop and now although the ground is good to shoe every mark we can find no trace of the animal for ten twenty or a hundred paces even you hear said the baron joining his words on to those of the pricker you were up there and the deer here at your feet it did not go by like a mouse without making a sound and you did not see or hear you must needs have seen or heard it he has killed the deer said marcotta and hidden it away in a bush that's as clear as the day oh my lord cried thibault who knew better than anybody else how mistaken the pricker was in making this accusation my lord by all the saints in paradise i swear to you that i have not killed your deer 
I swear it to you on the salvation of my soul, and may I perish on the spot if I have given him even the slightest scratch. And besides, I could not have killed him without wounding him, and if I had wounded him, blood would have flowed. Look, I pray you, sir, continued Thibault, turning to the pricker, and God be thanked, you will find no trace of blood. I kill a poor beast, and my God, with what? Where is my weapon? God knows I have no other weapon than this billhook. Look, yourself, my lord. But unfortunately for Thibault, he had hardly uttered these words before Maitre Angoulevent, who had been prowling about for some minutes past, reappeared, carrying the boar spear which Thibault had thrown into one of the bushes before climbing up the tree. He handed the weapon to the baron. There was no doubt about it. Angoulevent was Thibault's evil genius. End of chapter 2 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia